All right. Welcome, everybody, to our online Bible study. Uh, if you are new to the Temple Baptist Wednesday night Bible study, we just take a book of the Bible and we'll go through it verse by verse and study it as we go. Uh, we are presently in the book of Acts, uh, chapter number 16. We finished up chapter 15 last week and uh, we are in chapter 16 this week. I hope everybody's doing well and tuning in with us. Uh, so if you have your Bible, turn to Acts chapter number 16 and uh, we'll begin in verse number one. Let's begin. It says, Then came he to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess and believed, but his father was a Greek, which was well reported by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Him would Paul have to go forth with him and took and circumcised him because of the Jews that were in those quarters, for they knew all that he, his father was a Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered them the decrees for to keep that were ordained of the apostles and elders, which were at Jerusalem. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. Now, when they had gone throughout uh, Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after they were come to Messiah, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the spirit suffered them not. And they passing by Messiah came down to Troas and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him saying, come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for the opportunity and the privilege we have tonight to study your word. Uh, Lord, I was looking at social media a while ago and there is there is all kinds of Bible studies going on right now. And I thank you for that. I thank you that the the airways are being flooded with your word. And I pray that you'll just touch every pastor that's doing his best right now. I pray that you'll fill them with your spirit. I pray that you'll just bless them in such a way that we can get the gospel to people who need it that so desperately right now. Lord, I pray that you'll be with our people. I pray that you'll be with all those that are temple that are watching right now. I pray that you'll help me be an encouragement to them. I pray they'll be praying for me. I need their prayers right now. And God, as we study your word, I pray that you'll give us something that's going to encourage us and help us. And uh, Lord, strengthen us in this time. Lord, we'll thank you for all that you do and what you've already done. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, let's do kind of a, a, a little review. Let's do a little review of last week. Uh, last week we found and uh, studied where Paul and Barnabas had a little issue. Uh, they decided to go on another missionary journey. Uh, they were going to go back and they were going to check on the churches that were started and uh, were planted in their very first missionary journey and just do edifying and encouragement, check on them, uh, do follow up, if you will. Well, there was a major disagreement. They couldn't agree on the team. Uh, Barnabas wanted to take his, his uh, relative, John Mark, with them. But if you'll remember in the first missionary journey, uh, he abandoned him and went back to Jerusalem. Well, Paul didn't think this was a good idea to take him with him. So they had a major, major disagreement. And we talked about all of that. And, and listen, 
Uh, good people can disagree. Good people can disagree. And, and uh, God can bring good out of it. And if you want to know more about that, go back and watch last week's Bible study. And, uh, and, and it'll, it'll help you and instruct you on that. But, but we're going to see a brand new journey. God, uh, God is going to take Paul on a brand new journey in his second missionary journey as he goes different. Uh, Barnabas goes to Cyprus, his hometown, his home area. And uh, Paul is going to go up the coast and go around uh, through his home area and uh, check on the progress of the churches. And there's a lot of stuff we're going to learn tonight. I probably have too much information in the in the outline. Uh, so we'll just teach as long as we have time. And uh, whatever we don't get finished, we'll, we'll jump into next week. All right. Now, let's look at this. Verse number one. Let's start here. It says, then came he to Derby and Lystra and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess and believed. But his father was a Greek, which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Him would Paul have to go forth with him and took and circumcised him because of the Jews that were in those quarters. For they knew all that his father was a Greek. Now, so if we're, if you're taking notes, if you're writing these things down, I want you to write this down. Number one, I want you to see the new team. There's going to be a lot of new things here tonight. Uh, a new team, a new territory, uh, a new technique and a new trial. We're going to look at all four of those tonight if we have time, but let's look at this new team. You know, the old team was Paul and Barnabas. Uh, they had been together for six years and, and God has separated them. Now they are both having two different teams going out. And now Paul has taken Silas to be with him. And as they come into Lystra, Lystra was a city they had been in on their first missionary journey and, and a church that they had planted on their first missionary journey. There was a disciple there. There was a young man that by the name of Timothy. And Paul, he takes Timothy and puts him on the team. So we have a brand new team. Then, so if we're taking notes, write this down. On this team, on this team, we have a new assistant. We have a new assistant. And a couple things about that I want you to see. He was trained young. He was trained young. We see his training, 2 Timothy 1.5. It says, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned fate that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. He says in 2 Timothy 3, verse 14, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So he had an early training. He had uh, uh, discipling. He is called a disciple here. There is a disciple that Paul has chosen and he has early training from his mother and from his grandmother. Man, that should teach us all that, that when you are when you are training up a child, it is very, very important. And from a child, the Bible says that his mother and his grandmother uh, brought him through the scriptures and taught him the scriptures early on. And we see his testimony, not only his training, but we see his testimony. Look what what it says. It says, then came he to Derby and Lystra and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewish and believed, but his father was a Greek, which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Preacher, what are you saying? This new assistant had a good testimony. He had a good testimony. He was well thought of by those around him. 
And this is a this is another good point that we need to take uh, as a Christian, as a Christian. One of the greatest things that we have and one of the most important things that we have is our testimony. It is what people see in our lives. Uh, you can spend you can spend a lifetime building a testimony and in just a moment can destroy it. You have to have your testimony. People need to look at you and see that you live what you preach. You live what you say. Your 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 walk has got to match your talk. And with this young man, it did. He had a good testimony with those around him. He had a good reputation with those around him. But there's something else that's really significant that you got to see. Not only, not only do we see his testimony in his character, but we see his testimony in his commitment, in his commitment. Now, where do we see that? If you will look in verse number three, it says him would Paul have to go forth with him and took and circumcised him because of the Jews that were in those quarters for they knew all that his father was agreed. Now, now let's back up a minute. Let's do, uh, let's do just a little bit of review. If you will remember, not too long ago, not too long ago as we study, uh, Paul had uh, a run in with Judaizers, with people that were trying to teach legalism and trying to teach the Gentile believers that they had to follow the law of Moses and believe in Christ. In other words, they had to convert to Judaism before they could convert to convert to Christianity. And he's, they were commanding them that they had to be circumcised. And Paul said, no, 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 that's not, that's not accurate. We're not saved by uh, a ceremony. We're not saved by the law. Uh, they don't have to be converted to Judaism. They believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Salvation is by faith. It's by grace through faith that you're saved by, by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So they confirmed that they went to the church in Jerusalem and they talked with the, the elders and, 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 and the prophets there, the early church founders, early church fathers, and they confirmed that that was the truth. Then why, then why is he, uh, uh having Timothy to be circumcised. Now you remember his mom was a Jew, but his father was a Gentile and everybody knew his father was a Gentile. Why in the world would he have Timothy to be circumcised? Well, this is the deal. This was important in order to reach the Jews. Now watch what it says. Paul tells the reason he did it. It says in verse number three, him would Paul have to go forth with him and took and circumcised him because of the Jews, which were of those quarters, for they knew all that his father was agreeing. What, what is he saying? Paul did not want to have any kind of stumbling block. He didn't want any kind of obstacle to be in the way of the ministry of getting the gospel out. And he did whatever was necessary to make sure that he would not be an offense to the Jews he was trying to reach. This would make it possible for Timothy to go in any synagogue and have access and, and, and can be involved in the synagogue practice uh, because he was willing. Now, think about this. He was willing to go through a painful, painful situation in order to get the gospel to more people. All right. He was willing to do something that was painful. And it was not necessarily necessary. It wasn't necessary at all for salvation, but it wasn't necessarily required of him to be a good Christian. But in order to be willing to reach more people, in order to be willing to get the gospel to more people and be an offense to none, he was willing to commit to the gospel and go through this situation. Now, watch what Paul says. 
Listen, in 1 Corinthians 9, he says this, 1 Corinthians 9, 19, for though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all that I might gain the more. Under the Jews, I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without the law, as with the law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And watch this. And this I do for the gospel's sake that I might be partaker thereof with you. He tells us in Romans chapter 14, chapter verse 13. Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. There's a time that, G, that Paul taught uh, about eating certain meat. And he says, if, if eating meat is going to cause my brother to stumble, I will eat no meat. He had a, he had a goal to reach as many as possible with the gospel, to see as many people saved as he possibly could. And he did whatever he could to remove any obstacle whatsoever. He did not want to give anybody a reason not to hear the message he had to preach. So we see commitment, severe commitment in Timothy's actions and Paul's actions. Man, he is, he is, he ends up being one of, one of Paul's best, best helpers. All right. So we see a new team. This new team has a new assistant, but then we see he has a new agenda. He has a new agenda in verse number. Let's see. Let's get, let's find us where we're at. It says in, in verse number four, And as they went through the cities, they delivered them the decrees for to keep that were ordained of the apostles and elders, which were at Jerusalem. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. So what were they doing? They, if you remember, I just said it a while ago, uh, they had gone back to Jerusalem, uh, to the founding fathers and, 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 and they had the debate of whether, uh, someone had to be circumcised to be saved. They had the debate on whether they had to convert to Judaism, uh, to be a Christian, a true Christian, a true believer and to be saved. And they, we found out that what the Jerusalem church came is it's by faith in the Lord Jesus. And they gave them some other restrictions that were necessary to do what we just said is to be a good witness to the Jews around them. And we didn't, uh, uh, the church didn't want Jews to be an offense to the Gentiles, but they also didn't want the Gentiles to be an offense to the Jews. And so they had that message and they were going to all of the churches, all the Gentile churches that Paul had planted in the first missionary journey. And they were now taking that, that message and taking that encouragement and showing them that they were truly born again and truly saved. So this was what Paul was doing. Coming around the second time to encourage, to lift up, to edify, to build, to strengthen, to disciple more and build up the works that have already been planted. All right. So we see a new agenda, a new assistant and a new agenda on this new team. Then secondly, secondly, I want you to see a new territory, a new territory, not just a new team, but there was a new territory. The Bible says that in verse number six. Now, when they had gone through uh, Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, 
after they were come to Messiah, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the spirit suffered them not. In other words, everywhere they turned, God stopped them. God stopped them. Now, uh, maybe, maybe you've been here before. Maybe you've been to the place. You just didn't know what God wanted you to do. You were in, in kind of a limbo. You didn't, you didn't know which way to turn. That's kind of where Paul finds himself right here. If you was to ask him at this point in time, uh, Paul, what's, what, what's God wanting you to do? He'd have to say, man, I don't know. I don't know. Now it doesn't, it doesn't specifically say how God stopped him. It doesn't, it doesn't specifically say, uh, how God forbid him, uh, to, to minister, minister there in Asia or even up further north. He was going to try to turn north and, and minister that way. And the Holy Spirit with kept him from doing that. Uh, but I do know this. I do know this. God has a way of stopping. God has a way of saying no. Uh, and, and I, I remember, I remember when I was, uh, I had just resigned Long Branch Baptist Church in South Carolina. And, and I was kind of, I was kind of, you know, waiting on God and trying to, trying to figure out what God was wanting me to do. And, and, uh, and, and I remember a church in Okeechobee, Florida, uh, called and, and, and it was my, one of my hometowns. I grew up when, as a kid at first in Okeechobee and then in Fort Pierce and lived most of my life in Fort Pierce. And, uh, I remember that church, uh, calling and, and wanted me to come in candidate to be a pastor. Now, it was, it was really appealing to me because you got to understand I was homesick and that's home. I mean, it was, it was where I would have loved to have been. All my family was down there at the time. And, and, uh, and, and man, I'm telling you, it sounded really, really good. They wanted me to come and, and, uh, uh it, you have Okeechobee Lake that's right there. Uh, the ocean, it's just, just 30 minutes away. Uh, I mean, it seemed like a paradise. This has got to be God's will. And the moment the gentleman said, Hey, we want you to come candidate. Would you? come. And I said, I said, I went to say yes. And, and the Holy Spirit says, Nope, Nope. That's not where you need to be. And you know what I did? I said, yes, anyway. And I planned to go anyway. And the whole time, the whole time, the Holy Spirit was telling me that's not where I want you to be. That's not where I want you to be. I took a train and went down to Florida and the whole time the Holy Spirit saying, that's not where you want. Uh, that's not where I want you to be. I don't know how you even coming down here. You're wasting your time coming down here. And the whole time I was down there, man, I preached two services and, and, and the whole time the Holy Spirit was grieving my spirit. I mean, I, I, I was, I, I knew this was not what God wanted me to do. I come back and and I, and I, I, it was a great trip and the people, the people really wanted me to come and, and, uh, and they called and said they voted and wanted me to come. When could I come? And I had to tell them, I can't come. I can't come. The Lord, the Lord won't give me peace about it. I, I, I know this is not what God wants me to do. Now I want you to know God can tell you, no, I, I, I read several different I read several different things and several different opinions about why they or how God stopped Paul. Some said it was because he got sick and, and that's why Luke joined the party, the, the physician, Dr. Luke. And, uh, uh, but we don't, we don't know, but we do know this. Sometimes God says no. Sometimes God says no. We have a desire to work in ministry or we have a desire to serve in ministry and God says no. Or God, it seems like a rejection or it seems like a denial. It seems like the things that we want to do, uh, God puts a halt on it. Well, there's reasons for that. There's reasons for that. And let's, let's just look at a couple tonight. <clears throat> let's just look at a couple. 
All right. If you're taking notes, we're, we're talking about a new territory. OK, a brand new territory. There is confusion in its discovery. It seemed like everywhere Paul turned, it was a no. And it was he was wondering what in the world, what in the world was God doing with this deal? Now, <clears throat> when it comes when it comes to God's no, when it comes to understanding God's no or his stopping uh, your movement or your ministry, there's three factors I want you to consider. All right. First, I want you to consider the timing factor, the timing factor. You say, what do you mean the timing factor? Well, two things under that. Timing affects the readiness of the person. And timing affects the readiness of the place. In other words, in other words, growing up in in ministry, I was always told that God's got a prepared place for a prepared man. And sometimes God says no, because either the person is not prepared yet or the place is not prepared yet. Now, we know we know if you continue studying through God's word, we know that there are churches that are planted in these areas that God is saying no to at the moment that that we find some good churches that are addressed in the book of Revelation. These churches are planted and and there are Christians there. So we know God's got a plan for them and we know God's going to plant churches there. But at the moment and at the time, he's telling Paul, no, no. Now, why does God do that to us? That it could be timing. God may be telling you, you need more preparation. God may be telling you that you need to be ready. But then sometimes you might be ready and you might be prepared. But the place that he has taken you and the place that he is leading you may not be prepared yet. And it could it could be all about timing. Don't get frustrated with God. Don't get angry with God. Don't get mad at God. If if his timing is not your timing. Sometimes we are impatient. Sometimes we want what we want and we want it now. Don't get frustrated with God. God's timing. Now say this with me. If you're watching at home, say this with me. God's timing is always perfect. Say it again. God's timing is always perfect. God's never early and he's never late. He's never early and he's never late. Trust God's timing. So if God has told you no, maybe it's a desire you have in ministry. Maybe it's a desire you have in a business. Maybe maybe it's a desire in a family, whatever it might be. If God is currently telling you no, the timing may not be right. Trust God's timing. All right. Not only that, not only that, there's another factor to consider when God says no, not only the timing, but the truth, the truth factor. We have the timing factor and the truth factor. You say, what is the truth factor? Now get this, get this. And, and this, is re- this is really important. <clears throat> especially right now, especially right now, you're going to see all kind of appeals and you're going to see all kind of pleas. Uh, uh, you're going to see uh, all kind of needs being presented. Now, now stay with me, please. I, I promise you I'm going somewhere. You're going to see all kind of needs presented. But a need, this is the truth. This is the truth. There's no doubt about the fact that there were sinners that needed saving in Asia. And, And there was no doubt about there were sinners that needed saving up north where Paul was trying to go. But a need does not constitute a call. Now get that. 
a need doesn't constitute a call. I've had people say, well, I need to go uh, to Africa because there's a there's a lot of people there. And I think God is calling me to Africa because of all the need. Well, that's not so. There's needs in Mexico. There's needs in Germany. There's needs in Russia and China and in the Sudan. There's needs everywhere. So just saying that there's a great need. So obviously that's where God wants me. That's not so. A need doesn't constitute a call. If you see a need that's presented to you on Facebook, on social media, if somebody comes to you just because it's a great need doesn't mean God is calling you to meet it. A need doesn't constitute a call. What else? What else do we see? Not only that, but a desire, a desire is not always a call. A need doesn't constitute a call. And a desire, Paul wanted to, he, he was doing everything he could to get to Asia. He wanted to, he wanted to be in Asia, what we know as Asia Minor. He wanted to serve there. He had a desire to do it. And God said, no, God said, no. Why? A need doesn't constitute a call and a desire doesn't constitute a call. Preacher, well, if a need doesn't and a, and a, and a desire to do it, doesn't God put desires in our heart? Yes, he does do that. But sometimes we have desires to do things we want to do. We have desires to do things that appeal to us. I had a great desire to go to Okeechobee, Florida and, 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 and pastor that church in Okeechobee, Florida. But it was not God's call for my life. It was not God's will for my life. A need does not constitute a call. A desire, it does not constitute a call. All right. So what do we see? What happens? What happens? We see there's there is confusion. There is confusion in its discovery because of timing, the timing factor, the truth factor. Uh, Paul had to recognize that just because he had a desire to do it didn't necessarily mean God wanted him to. Just because there was a great need there was not necessarily a reason to go. But then but then look at the look at the uh, uh, the trouble factor, the trouble factor. Sometimes, sometimes God will allow trouble our way to put a stop in our tracks because God wants us to stop. God wants us to slow down. God wants us to listen. God wants us to focus on him. So we see confusion, it's discovery, but then B, B, write this down. We see a confirmation of its destination, a confirmation. God confirms where he wants Paul to be. How's he do that? Look in verse nine. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him saying, come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Now let's look, let's look what Paul's doing. Let me go back. Let me go back to verse six. And let's, let's see how we got to the place of confirmation. Now, when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost. See, this is the first attempt forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. After they were come to Messiah, they essayed to go into Bithynia, which was up north. But the spirit suffered them not. God said no again. And they passing by Messiah came down to Troas. Now, what do we see there? 
What do we see there? Two things I want you to see. First, keep moving. Keep moving. Paul never stopped. He never stopped. When, when I say uh, uh, God wants us to stop, he wants us to stop in the direction that he is going, but keep moving. Keep moving. In other words, in other words, when we see this, he sees the vision from God. He hears the Macedonian call. Two things right down. Keep moving. Keep listening. In other words, in other words, keep doing what you're doing. Don't stop what you're doing. When you don't know what to do, do what you know. When you don't know what to do, do what you know. In other words, if you're a Sunday school teacher and you feel like that God wants you as a pastor somewhere and he's not opening the door or you don't see the green light, then keep doing what you're doing. Keep winning souls. Keep serving God. Keep moving. It's always easier to steer a moving car. Keep doing what you know. If you know to witness, witness. If you know to tithe, tithe. If you know to give, give. If you know to serve, serve. If you know to invite people to church, keep inviting people to church. Keep moving till you know the direction God wants you to go. Listen, keep moving and keep listening. Keep listening. His voice will come through. He will give, listen, he will, he will open the right door. When God is closing doors, that can be frustrating. I'm telling you, especially when you want to do it so bad, when you want to serve him and when, when you want to when you want to work for him and you want to do things for him. It seems like everywhere you turn, there's a closed door. Be patient. Be patient. Keep praying. Keep loving. Keep serving. Keep moving. Keep blessing others. And I promise you, the right door will open. God will open the door. God will give you the green light. The place will be prepared. Keep in mind what we said earlier. If God says no, he's either getting the place ready for you or he's getting you ready for the place. So we see a new territory, a new territory. Then we see number three, number three, we see a new technique, a new technique, Here in, in, they get to the, the continent. This is really the first time the gospel gets to the European continent. And, and we see we're in modern day Greece now. All right. Uh, they land in modern day Greece. And it says in verse number 11, therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course to some, I practice this all day to get this word right. Samothracia, Samothracia, all right? Samothracia, and the next day to Neapolis, and from thence to Philippi. Now, this is where uh, Paul writes the Philippian, the letter to the Philippians. Uh, this is to the same area that we're looking at. It says, from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city, that, that part of Macedonia, and a colony. In other words, it was a Roman colony. <clears throat> and we were in that city abiding certain days. Now watch this. Here's the new technique. And on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. Now let's, let's stop there and address that. What was their technique before? If you've been in this, in this act study any bit at a time, uh, you'll know that Paul had a way of doing things. When he would go to a new city and he would go to a new place, the very first thing he would do is go to a synagogue. Now let's look. It says in Acts 13, Acts 13, verse 15, 
or excuse me, verse five, it says, and when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they had also John to their minister, Acts 13, 14. But when they had departed from Perga, they came to Antioch in Pisidia and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. Acts 14, 1. And it came to pass in Iconium that they were both, they went both together into the synagogue of the Jews and spake. And a great multitude, both of the Jews and also to the Greeks believed. So what was, what was Paul's approach? Paul's approach was to go and find a synagogue into whatever city that he went to preach in, to plant a church in. He would go to the synagogue first and he would preach in that synagogue. He would share the gospel in that synagogue and the synagogue would have men in it. It would have men in it. Now, if you will remember our study about the synagogues earlier, you will remember that we we said that there had to be a certain number of men, a certain number of Jewish men in that community, in that city, wherever it might be, in order to make up a synagogue. If you didn't have enough, you couldn't have a synagogue. So apparently here at Philippi, there was not enough uh, Jewish men to gather together to constitute a synagogue. So what what happened? There were people, there were people that believed in God. There were people uh, there who prayed and worshiped, but they did it down by a river. They, they, and, and so what did Paul do? Paul went down to the river. He went to wherever they were. And instead of going to a synagogue, he went down by a river. Instead of addressing men, he was addressing women. Now look at this. Look at this. There's a new, there's a new uh, 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 audience There's a new audience and a new approach. Two things. If you're taking notes, if you're looking on the notes there in in, on online, there's a different approach and a different audience. All right. A different approach. They're down by the river and a different audience there. In other words, speaking to and approaching, addressing men, they are speaking and addressing women. Now, now here's a, here's a good thought from that. And here's what we need to take from that. What can we learn from this? Uh, there are way too many Christians and way too many churches, especially pastors, who, who when things change, they get stuck. They get hung up. When things get out of the normal, when, when things get out of the routine, right, like right now, right now. Uh, I, I'm telling you right now, I'm struggling a little bit. Uh, we've got an empty building. Uh, uh, the, the sound's not on in here. The sound's on where you can hear it, but it's really not on here. So I'm, I'm trying to talk louder so I can hear myself. And, and so this is, this is tough for me tonight. I am struggling a little bit, but, but what happens is, is in ministry, when things change a little bit and things get, uh, different, we stay, keep doing the same thing over and over and over and we get in a rut we 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 get in a rut when it comes to uh worship we get in a rut when it comes to music we get in a rut when it comes to singing uh uh there there have been worship wars arguing over whether we need to keep doing things the way we did it there in in uh uh back in the 60s and the 70s and 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 there and all that's silly all of that is silly i saw a great I saw a great meme today. It was perfect. 
that has a little chihuahua, uh, has a little chihuahua showing his teeth, growling in one picture. And it said, pastors, pastors before COVID-19, uh, the, the, uh, Facebook is of the devil. You know, preachers were preaching against it and, 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 and it could be used for, for bad things. And people have gotten a mess with, with social media. Uh, but overall they, they're, uh, they're completely against it, preaching against it. I mean, it's just rabid, rabid, uh, 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 a chihuahua dog with teeth showing. But then over here after COVID-19, it's a smiling little chihuahua dog saying, please join us on Facebook live. What's the deal? What's the deal? I'll tell you what happens is we get hung up when things change. Paul didn't though. Paul didn't. He didn't stop. He didn't slow up. You know what he did? He adjusted. He changed his strategy. He changed his approach. Well, they didn't have a synagogue there. That's how he usually did things. Uh, there wasn't a group of Jewish men there that he could start with and begin to appeal to them through the, the Old Testament scriptures. So what did he do? He found a place where people had some kind of uh, uh, search for God that says that they went to this river to pray. He must have heard in town that this was a place where people prayed and tried to find God. So he went to where they were. What did he do? He changed his strategy. I, I saw a great, I, I saw a great sign. I think it was in my sister's house on the wall in the kitchen. It said, so this is not home sweet home. Adjust, adjust. It may not be exactly how you want it. It may not be exactly uh, where you want it, but if it's where God puts you and God planted you, adjust, adjust, just like we're doing now. There's pastors all over America adjusting to this. Pastors all over America are used to standing in front of crowds or used to standing in front of people and sharing the word of God with people are now in front of cameras. Uh, they're now in front of their phones. They're now in front of their, their, their computers. You know what they're doing? They're adjusting. And you know what we've got to do? We need to keep that same mentality. We need to keep that same thought process when we go, uh, even after all of this is over and things return to normal as we pray and we hope that they do. We need to keep this thought in mind that if what we're doing is not working, do whatever it takes to work. As long as it's biblical, as long as it's scriptural, be willing to adjust, be willing to adjust. So you don't like what's going on right now. Adjust. Adjust. This is not just ministry. This could be at home. I, I, I've seen people posting about uh, uh, ready to strangle their kids at home and, 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 and ready to do. I, I saw a great one, too, that said they seen a, a, a mom who was homeschooling their kids peeling the good child sticker off the back of their car after three days at homeschool. Hey, whatever, whatever you got to do, whatever you got to do. But here's the thing. Learn to adjust. Learn to adjust. Paul was willing to change up his strategy. He was willing to take a different approach and address a different audience. And because of that, Lydia got saved. Because of that, he was able to have a place, a base of operations. God opened the heart of Lydia, as we'll see here in just a moment. God opened the heart of Lydia and she was saved and she opened her home. And because God opened her heart, she opened her home to have a church. And there's the church at Philippi begins because Paul did not get stuck in a rut. He was willing to change his approach and change the way he did things. So we see a new technique. Now, this may, this may be the most important point of the whole lesson. Uh, this is, this is really, I, I, I went back 
And I looked at some outlines that I have done in this chapter over in the past. And and when we get to the place, when we get to the place where where Paul and Silas is thrown in prison, uh, they get arrested because uh, Paul cast a demon out of a fortune telling slave girl and and her owners didn't like it. Uh, so they attacked them and, and, and had the magistrates beat them and throw them in prison and uh, which we'll get to in just a second. Uh, but but. Uh, when, when that took place, Paul responded in a certain way. And when I, when I looked at the outline, when I looked at the outline, getting ready and preparing and putting my materials together for tonight, uh, I, this is the title I had on that particular, uh, message that I, I preached a long time ago is staying Christian in the crisis, staying Christian in the crisis. And man, I tell you what, I couldn't think, I couldn't think of a better topic. I couldn't think of a better uh, subject to talk about or deal with. And we've got, we've got almost 20 minutes to deal with that. So let's, let's, let's take a moment and let's, let's talk about staying Christian in this crisis. And no matter what you, you heard a Sunday that God is saying, this is our time to shine. This is our time to let our good works uh, be seen and let our light shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify the father, which is in heaven. That's exactly what Paul did in this situation. He was in a crisis. He was in a very painful situation and he could have very well got angry. He could have very well got mad with God and said, listen, you're changing up everything. You're changing the way I have to minister. You're changing the approach I got to make. You're changing uh, the people I got to deal with. And now here I'm just doing right, doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And I get arrested and thrown in jail and they beat me half to death. And I'm laying here. You know, he could have done all that. He could have done all that. He could have blamed God, got angry at God. He could he could do what I see a lot of people doing today. We get frustrated at God because God doesn't do what we think he ought to do. And we get, he doesn't do what we want him to do. That's, that's primarily why we get frustrated and angry. But Paul didn't. Paul didn't. He stayed Christian in the crisis. Now, now let's look at this. Let's look at this. Let's just take a little bit and look at this. The Bible says in verse number 16, let's look in verse number 16. Now things are rolling pretty good. Things are rolling pretty good. We've got, we've got people being saved. Uh, we've got a church plant started. Uh, Paul and Silas are ministering here and, and Dr. Luke's with them. And, and so Satan begins to work, which is what he does. Anytime God moves, you heard me say this a hundred thousand times. Anytime God moves, the devil moves and the devil tries to move. It says, and it came to pass in verse 16, it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. In other words, she was a fortune telling, fortune telling slave girl. The same followed Paul and us and cried saying, these men are the servants of the most high God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days, Paul being grieved. Now, why'd that bother him? He did not want Satan infiltrating the group. Because what she said was right. What she said was true. And, but you got to understand a, a broke clock is right twice a day. Satan can use truth. Satan is an angel of light. 
And he will make somebody look really good. And he will have people say really good things that will make people think this, this woman is part of Paul's entourage. She is part of Paul's assembly. She's part of the church because what she's saying, well, Paul knew that wasn't the case. And Paul knew that there was something, there was an issue here and Paul dealt with it. The Bible says that in verse 18, and this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out of her or came out the same hour. And when her master saw that the hope of their gains were gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace and to the rulers. Now, here's where we see money over over uh, uh, overrules the situation. They should have been they should have been tickled. They should have been happy that this girl has finally been delivered. This girl has finally been set free of her problem and her issue, but they were losing out on a ton of money. They were more concerned about their money than they were this young lady's health. It's the same principle when Jesus cast out the demon of Gadara. When, when he cast this, this man who was in the tombs and, and they couldn't chain him, they couldn't control him. And he cried night and day, cutting himself and crying full of demons and Jesus cast them out and they went into the swine and the swine ran down and drowned themselves. And they were more concerned and they cared more about the money they lost with the swine than this poor man being delivered. That's the world we live in. That's the place that we're in. Well, Paul delivered this, this, this poor girl and cast the demon out and this infuriated her owners. And so they attacked Paul. The Bible says in verse number 19, <clears throat> And the, when her master saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace under the rulers and brought them to the magistrates. These were the authorities saying, these men being Jews do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. And the multitude is now it's a mob rule. The multitudes rose up together against them and the magistrate not giving them an opportunity to defend themselves, not giving them an opportunity to answer their critics, but they ripped their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. Mercy. Mercy. We see a new trial. We said there was a new, t- a new team, a new territory, a new technique, and a new trial. A new trial. Here's, here's a couple things about the trial I want you to see. First, the reason for the trial. Just doing right. Just doing right. Just helping people. Just serving God. Being obedient to God. Being obedient to what he tells us to do. Being obedient to his commands and, and his direction in our life. They were in the will of God. They were in the door that God opened up. They were in the place that God called them to. But guess what? Now they're sitting in a prison. They've got stripes on their back. They've been beaten with rods. They take rods and beat them to the point that they are bleeding. Uh, Whelps and blisters and cuts on their back. Sitting in the inner prison, which would basically be solitary confinement, if you will. Uh, The most secure part of the prison. 
and, and, and the jailer wasn't going to take any chances. So they put their feet in stocks to, to keep them secure all because they served God. All because they did what they were supposed to do. All because they were living for God in the perfect will of God. Now that's hard to take. And that's hard to swallow. But, but, number, but B, however you're writing this down, I want you to see this. Uh, first, there is the reason for the trial. Then B, I want you to see the reaction. The reaction to the trial. How did Paul react? That's it. I'm done. I quit. That's all I've ever done is tried to serve God. I've tried to do my best for God. And this is the things I get from God. That's it. I quit. You know, there's people that do that all the time. There's people that takes that, that route, that avenue all the time because things don't turn out the way that either they wanted it to turn out or the way they thought it would turn out. And so they blame God. But, you know, that's not what Paul did. That's not what Paul did. What Paul do? We just read it. It says at midnight, at midnight, he, he prayed and he sang praises unto God. Can you imagine that? He's in jail. He's in prison. His feet are in stocks just for doing right, just for serving God. He's been beat to the inch of his life. His back is bleeding and broken and bruised. And he's, listen, he is in a horrible way, but yet he's praising and singing and glorifying God. Now, I know what you're thinking. I don't think I could do that. I don't think I could do that. I, I just don't. I, how in the world? How in the world was Paul able to do that? Well, let's see. Let's see. Let's see if we can pinpoint the, the, the secret to staying. Now, watch. Remember what we're saying? Staying Christian in the crisis. What is the secret to staying Christian in the crisis? I believe Paul was able to do what he did. Paul was able to praise and worship even in the pain, even in the suffering, even in the trial. He was able to give God glory for three reasons. If you're writing these down, number one, because of what they knew. How were they able to praise God in the prison? How were they able to remain uh, Christian in the crisis? Because there was something Paul knew, and that was this. Paul wrote later on in, 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 in the book of Romans that he said this, that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, to them that are called according to his purpose. You know what he's saying? That no matter what, God is in control. No matter what, God is a good God. No matter what, if I'm going through it, I need to go through it. God has allowed me to go through it because God has got a plan for my life and he's going to let something come into my life. He's going to let me experience something not to hurt me, not to harm me, not to do away with me, but he's going to allow something in my life to bring glory to himself and bring strength into me. All things work together for good. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're in a predicament today, if you're in an issue today and you're going through a very, very serious difficulty, you need to stand up and praise God. You need to stand up and worship him and know, thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, that I know that all this is going to work out for my good. Paul knew that. He knew even though he was in prison, even though he knew he had stripes on his back. Now think about this. We, we just, 
We just preached out of the book this past Sunday. We just preached out of Philippians when he said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Do you realize he is sitting in the jail in Philippi and he is writing that letter to them from the jail in Rome? And he is he's not telling them to do something he hasn't already done. Amen. Glory to God. He's all. Listen, Paul won't ask you to climb a tree. He hadn't climbed. He's telling you to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. You know how he could tell you that? Because there was a time he's sitting in a Philippian jail with stripes on his back and his feet in stocks. And he was able to sing praises unto God and give glory to God. And I'm telling you right now, even in your circumstances, even in your difficulty, give him glory and give him praise and honor God because he's got a great plan for your life. All things work together for good to them that are called according to his purpose. Dear Lord, how in the world, how in the world did Paul stay Christian in this crisis? How did he stay Christian when he was innocent? And they didn't even give him a chance to defend himself. They didn't even give him a chance that he was justly deserved as a Roman citizen. They accused him wrongfully, threw him in prison. But yet he prayed and he sang praises unto God. You said, how did he do that? Because of what he knew. What he knew. God was in control. God was in control. We have a sovereign God who is in control. Secondly, not only, not only what they knew, what gave them that peace? What gave them that, that grace? What gave them that strength to stay Christian in the crisis? Is what they knew. Then number two is what they were. It's what they were. Say, preacher, what were they? They were spirit filled. They were spirit filled. Look what it says. It says in Ephesians 5, 18. Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the spirit. Now, Now, let me let me go back. Let me go back to, to, to the book of Acts chapter number 16, and then we'll come back to Ephesians, okay? It says at midnight, verse 25, at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed. Now watch what else they did. And sang praises unto God. Say it with me. And sang praises unto God. Right where you're sitting, say it with me. And sang praises unto God. Now keep in mind, they're not in church. They're not being supported by a choir. They don't have a worship leader. All right. They don't have a band playing. They're in prison and they have stripes on their back and they're bleeding out of their back and their feet are in stocks just for doing right. But yet they're singing praises unto God. How were they able to do that? They were filled with the spirit. How do you know? Watch what, watch what the word says will happen when you're filled with the spirit. It says, but be filled with the spirit. Verse 19, Ephesians 5, 19, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. You may tell you what will happen. You may tell you what will happen when you get spirit filled. 
You may tell you what will happen when you ask the Holy Spirit to fill your life and fill your soul, fill your heart and fill your mind to take complete control of your life. You will have a song in your heart. You will have praise unto God. The Holy Spirit will lead you to worship God and praise him according to the scriptures. Now we know they're sitting in prison. We know that their circumstances are terrible. Their circumstances are awful, but they are not dependent on their circumstances to praise. Now, now the, the sad thing is there's way too many Christians out there that only praise him when they get a check. They only praise him when something goes good. They only praise him when, when, when things are going great, when, when everything's well. But Paul was praising him in the pain. Paul was praising him in the prison. Paul was praising him. Listen, in a serious, serious situation, he was singing praises. And the only way he could do that is he was filled with the spirit. And God put a song in his heart. How are we going to, listen, how are we going to shine in this pandemic? How are we going to show this world that there is a God? And how are we going to let people know that, that we have a reason to rejoice. You need to have a song in your heart. Don't get on social media and whine and complain and do all of those things. Get on social media and shine. Sing from all your heart. Show them and give praise unto God. Well, I can't sing. Well, praise him. Give him a praise. Give him a shout out. Man, thank God for something in your life that's going on. Be spirit filled. The only way The only way that we can stay Christian in a crisis is to know that God is in control. All things work together. Romans 8, 28. All things work together for good to them to love the Lord, to them that are called according to his purpose. Number two, it's what we are. We are spirit filled. We are spirit filled children of God. And God is going to give us the strength from the inside out. It's not from outward circumstances. It's from an inward power. They were filled with the spirit. So they were able in their pain to give God praise in the middle of their circumstances. But not only that, how do you know? How do you know? Look what it says in Galatians chapter five, verse 22. They knew God was in control. They were filled with the spirit. And watch what happens when you're filled with the spirit. There's fruit that starts budding. There's fruit that starts getting produced. And you know what one of the fruit of the spirit is? It says, it says this, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. And against such, there is no law. Think about that. Love, joy, peace. All of the things that Paul is manifesting in this situation. You see, he had joy in his soul, joy in his heart. Why? He was filled with the spirit. He was filled with the spirit and filled with the knowledge that God was in control and God had a plan for their situation. So they praise God. They praise God. Now watch what happens. Watch what happens when they stayed Christian in the crisis. All right. Here's the last one. We got We got to hurry. We got to hurry. Look, I want you to see the response from the trial. The response from the trial. We see the reason for the trial, the reaction to the trial, but then the response from the trial. Look what happens. 
I'm going to have to be, I'm going to just have to tell you, I'm going to have to tell you. Because we're running out of time. We won't never, never if, if I keep doing by the outline. Here, here's the deal. When they begin to sing praises, the Savior intervened. God moved on their behalf. God, now think about this. This is, this is good. God got involved in their circumstances when they praised him because of who he is. Not because of what he was doing in the present time. Now we want to wait to praise him after the earthquake and after he breaks us out. But that's not what they did. They were praising him for what God had already done and for what they knew God would do in the future. Can you do that? Can you praise him right now? Before the answer comes, before uh, uh, the blessings come, before the help comes, before the intervention comes, can you give him praise? Maybe God's not intervening on your situation because you're not praising him and you're not giving him glory. Well, Paul did. And because of that, the Bible says God intervened. The earthquake took place and broke all of their chains and broke them all loose. But watch what happens. This is this is crazy. The jailer wakes up, the jailer wakes up and he runs in and sees everything and he takes his sword and he's going to kill himself. Because if 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 the prisoners got loose, if the prisoners got loose at the jailer was responsible for those lives. So they would take a life for a life. And he knew he was going to die anyway, so he was going to make sure he didn't suffer. And he went to kill himself. But watch what Paul said. Hey, wait, 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 wait. We're all here. Do thyself no harm. Do thyself. We're all here. Everything's good. We're here. Now, would that have been what we'd have said? Maybe we'd have looked over silence and said, hey, we're free. Let's get out of here. That's not what happened. That's not what happened. And because of that, because of that, the jailer comes and says, what must I do to be saved? And to make a long story short. He gets saved. He takes the gospel to his house. His house gets saved. Paul, Paul shares and, 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 and wins them to Christ. And then you know what happens? Now watch this. This is a cool part. You know what happens to Paul and Silas? The new Christians take them in. The one who was probably rude to him and the one that was probably rough on him in the jail. The new believer, this jailer and his household begin to wash the stripes. Begin to minister to Paul. You know why? Because he stayed Christian in a crisis. The people who had probably applied the stripes are now washing and putting medicine and, and caring for him and loving on him. Preacher, what are you saying? If you stay Christian in the crisis, God's going to respond and God is going to move in an awesome way. And we will see God. We will see salvation. We will see a blessing. We will see God move in an incredible way. And we'll see our wounds being healed and touched and cared for. Now, here's what I want. Here's what I want to leave you. Here's what I want to leave. What if. What if we get to heaven one day. And we stop old Paul on the on the sidewalk in heaven and and we ask him, Paul. I, I got to ask you this question. Was 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 it worth it? I mean, really, was was it worth it? Was it worth getting that beating? And and was it worth them stripes that you took and. Was it, was it really worth it? You know, I believe he'd say, are you kidding? Are you kidding? Did you not see the family get saved? Did you not see God move in an awesome way? Did you not see those souls? That, and, and by the way, they, they, they had revival and it's in the middle of the night. It's in the middle of the night. God moved in an incredible way. He'd have to say, yeah, I got to tell you, it was worth it. 
It was worth every stripe. It was worth every single whelp I had on my back. It, it worth every contusion, every bruise. Oh, it was worth it to see God move in an incredible way. Now, listen, I don't know what's going to happen in all this stuff, and I don't know how bad it's going to get. We don't have a guarantee on all of that. No matter how bad it gets and no matter what takes place, this is what I do know, that God is in control. And God will work all things out to our good. Somehow or another, he's going to get glory out of the situation. I, I went, my uncle passed away last week. I went Thursday, I think it was Thursday, Thursday or Friday. Uh, I went to, to Tennessee and, uh, and, and, and did the funeral for my uncle. <clears throat> and after the service was over, uh, one of my cousins over there uh, prayed, bowed his head and prayed and received Christ as a Savior. God touched him and moved in an awesome way. Now, am I going to miss my uncle? I sure am. Is that, was that a bad deal? And, and, and did we grieve? Yes, we did. But you know what? God got the glory out of it. And we have another family member that's going to make it to heaven. Now, Uncle Philip went to heaven. He was saved as they get. And I know he's there and I know he's waiting on us. But guess what? Somebody else is going now. What are you saying, preacher? God will get the glory out of anything. But we got to stay Christian in the crisis. How am I going to do that? One more time. If you don't miss, if you don't get anything out of this Bible study, get this. Know that God is in control. Know that God is going to work all things out. Number two, be spirit filled. Every day that you wake up in this crisis, you need to ask God, fill me with your spirit, Lord. Fill me with your spirit. I submit to the leadership of the Holy Spirit right now. I submit to your direction. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I guarantee you, you're going to have joy and you're going to have peace and you're going to have love and you're going to have perseverance. You're going to have all of these things manifest in your life. And this world's going to see it. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to come just like the Philippian jailer. They're going to come and want what you have. It's your time to shine. Let's shine. I hope y'all have a great, great week. Let's pray and dismiss. And uh, let's be praying for our leaders. Let's be praying for our president. Uh, let's be praying for all those that are in the healthcare industry, that God gives them strength and God just, just holds them up in this time. And, and let's just, let's do that right now. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for your blessings and your mercy. I thank you for your anointing. And Lord, I pray right now, help us to stay Christian in this crisis. I pray that you'll move in an awesome way with our leaders. I pray that you'll be with President Trump. I pray that you'll touch him. I pray that you'll give him wisdom. I pray that you'll give him guidance and all of the leaders and all of the doctors and all the scientists that are working on this. Lord, I pray that they will come with a solution. And Lord, I pray that whatever, whatever we need to learn, whatever we need to learn out of all of this, that Lord, that you will teach us and help us to get it, help us to pass the test. Lord, move and change in the lives of all those that are watching. I pray that your perfect will be done. Help us now as we try to protect our families and be a witness of you in the same time. God will thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I hope y'all have a great night. Good night.